This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. Well, when I saw this email come into my inbox there not too long ago, it really piqued my interest. A Newfoundland-based company is set to conduct a first-of-its-kind environmental DNA biodiversity study around the site of the Titanic. But what does that mean exactly? Well, my guests today are face and eyes into the deep water biodiversity study involving Ocean Gate Expeditions and eDNA Tech. That's a local company. Kyle Bingham is Expedition Director with Ocean Gate Expeditions. Hello, Kyle. Hello, good morning, or good afternoon. Good afternoon. Jasmine Saunders is the business manager with Mapakek Horizon Maritime Services. Hi, Jasmine. Good afternoon, Linda. Hi. And Beverly McGlennigan is senior ecologist with the Center for Environmental Genomics Applications. Hello, Beverly. Hello, thanks for talking to us today. Hey, no problem. So I have to admit, uh, this is all a little over my head. I have looked into it a little bit, but uh, I guess we'll start with with Kyle. What is this expedition all about, and what are you hoping to find? Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having us. and uh, you know, to give a little background, I guess, on, on Ocean Gate Expeditions, I'm the expedition director here. We're based just north of Seattle in Washington State. Uh, so it's morning here, as I, I said good morning, but again, it's good afternoon to you. Um, and we're headed back out to the Titanic for our second trip this, uh, this June um, with researchers and scientists to explore and, and take a look at the Titanic uh, once again. And we're, we'll be headed out with researchers and guests and uh, to, to do an ongoing study of, of the Titanic, the wreck, its degradation, and, and this year a big focus on the biology. And that's an interesting aspect of this because I think when we think of James Cameron and all that sort of thing, we're not exactly talking about the biodiversity that deep in the ocean when we're looking at the Titanic. We're just, you know, awestruck by this massive hulking piece of rusting <laughs> metal. Uh, so what are you hoping to find there? Um, I... We don't, we're really not sure. I mean, I think the, you know, that's that's the big question for this year is to go down there and look at the biodiversity of it, the, the fact that it's an, a really interesting artificial reef in, in a deep part of the ocean, um, and really just see what what is down there, what we can what we can see, what we can track, what we can learn this year and, and for years to come. Um, and you're right, you know, a lot of these uh, ex, or the expeditions in the past have looked at the historical, the, the human piece. Um, uh, the archaeological piece of this, and um, we're doing still some of that as well, but you know, changing or focusing a little bit on the biology is um, going to be really exciting. And I want to get into, uh, you know, how you get down there and what do you do and how do you collect your samples now in a few minutes. But I'm going to introduce uh, our two other guests now. Jasmine Saunders is with Miapakek Horizon Maritime Services. What, what's uh, the, the organization's role in all of this? Yeah, for sure. So Horizon Maritime Services, um, well, I guess to back it up a little bit, uh, Meopakek Horizon Maritime Services is a joint venture. Uh, We're still fairly young. We were established in 2020, a partnership between uh, Meopakek First Nation and Horizon Maritime Services. Um, Certainly a lot of aligned values between our two groups. And um, so Horizon Maritime Services, the parent company for Meopakek Horizon, 
uh, we'll be doing the charters for Ocean Gate this summer to bring the submersible out to the um, Titanic wreck site. And yeah, we're certainly looking to kind of build on our Indigenous partnerships. And uh, we've got some really interesting initiatives this summer with, with Ocean Gate and, of course, uh, with EDNA Tech uh, heading out to the site. So you're a little bit of the, I guess, the, the logistics maybe? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So our vessel, um, of course, we provide the crew and um, the services to get the, the submersible and, and all of Ocean Gate's clients. Um, and, of course, EDNA Tech's um, scientific personnel out to the site. And and from there, uh, you know, helping with, with safety and just executing the mission overall. Do you do many of these kinds of expeditions? I know it's a popular area, but it's hard to get to. It costs a lot of money to do these kinds of things. Uh, do you do these kinds of trips very often? Um, I would say this is it's definitely more of a unique contract for Horizon Maritime, uh, but one we're certainly very glad to be involved in. Um, we do do a lot of work, um, you know, very broadly in the marine sector, whether it be uh, working with um, energy industry companies or on government contracts as well so certainly a lot of a lot of interesting contracts but uh, yeah this one's definitely unique and beverly mcglenigan is senior ecologist with the center for environmental genomics applications so what is environmental genomics so environmental genomics is a method to survey biodiversity that is based on environmental DNA. And environmental DNA is um, DNA that's found in the environment, in a water sample or in a soil sample. So all the organisms that live in an environment leave behind a little bit of DNA. And we can collect an environmental sample, like a liter of water, and that will have all these little bits of DNA left behind from those organisms. And we can isolate this DNA and sequence the DNA and using those unique sequences we can identify the organisms, the species that were living in that environment. So it's not just um, organisms that might be there now but ones that perhaps recently passed through? Yeah, that DNA uh, lasts in an, in the environment for in water samples for about 24 to 48 hours. Um, so we're getting a snapshot from that uh, that time frame of what was in the environment. Well, that's very interesting. So you just take, a, like you say, a liter of water or a block of soil, and you're able to tell all the different creatures that uh, have moved in and out of that space. That's right, and it's a really powerful approach to biodiversity surveys because we can detect all kinds of organisms from one sample. So all different sizes, all different types of organisms, from little plankton all the way up to, to whales and big fish from one sample. So it's a really powerful way to survey the whole biodiversity in an ecosystem. How does that work at the bottom of the water column? Because I would imagine you're going to be picking up DNA from all kinds of creatures that don't even live in that region. Uh, yeah, well, some DNA does will travel, will fall through the water column and come down. So we might be detecting some organisms that live higher up in the water column, but we'll get a really strong signal from the organisms that are actually found in that deep ocean environment. And I guess the benefit is that you don't have to be there to wait for one of these things to come by in this big, vast area. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it's over a, a time frame. 
Yeah, that's right. So there will be video cameras on the submersible on this expedition, and we can use those video cameras to detect and identify organisms as well. But as you say, that's limited to the time that the camera is down there. And then also those cameras, it's really hard to detect really small organisms like plankton. You just don't get enough resolution on one of those cameras to identify plankton. So with the DNA, we get we have the opportunity to identify a broader range of organisms and, as you say, over a bit of a broader range of time. So Kyle, has the Titanic site, like most wreck sites, I imagine, has it become a habitat in and of itself? Yes, yeah, it definitely has. And last year we saw life down there, you know, that, that you wouldn't really expect, um, both large and small. And I think that's that's what's really exciting is we know that there there's life there. We know um, that it comes and goes, and we're really curious to see you know, what that full picture is, um, you know, this year and, and years to come, how that it might change over time. So what sparked this idea? Well, I think that's really kind of OceanGate's platform, you know, from exploration, um, scientific exploration, and merging that with, with um, you know, adventure travel. Um, this is a perfect example of many expeditions we've done in the past, bringing, um, you know, science to the submersibles and using it as a platform to collect data, uh, to collect material science, um, you know, I think the eDNA part of this is really, really exciting for us, specifically at the Titanic. We don't take anything when we go there. We're just looking. We're just observing. Uh, we don't even have manipulators on the sub to take anything, um, so we're not collecting um, artifacts or anything uh, at the site. And this is a, a perfect way um, you know, to get close to the biology, to collect these uh, DNA samples in the water um, without disturbing uh, the site itself. It, is this the first biology or biodiversity study done in and around that site? Uh, I'm not completely sure. I think there has been some studies, some observations done in the past, but as far as the DNA collecting, uh, I believe this is going to be kind of the cutting edge of that. So have you been involved in previous um, trips to the Titanic? Yes, I was. Personally, I was on board last year, so I was um, the expedition manager for the expedition last year to so the Titanic with, with Horizon. Um, and we were out there for five weeks. Wow. And you, did you go down? I did not go down uh, to the Titanic itself in the submersible last year. Um, the, the priority is our, is our pilots, our researchers, scientists, uh, the guests that join and help underwrite the expeditions. Uh, so the, the queue is a little prioritized, but hopefully my, my name will come up and I'll be able to see this uh, amazing wreck and this amazing site for myself sometime. So this is like space exploration, really, I suppose. People who have the money and the means um, do get opportunities to go down there if I guess the price is right. It is, yeah. It's akin to space. I mean, we attract um, some of the same people. Um, we're working. Our submersible itself was was built in collaboration with NASA um, and some engineers there. We do have and have had NASA astronauts join us even last year on the Titanic. Um, this kind of civilian sector of of space travel is becoming more and more uh, regular every day. We had um, one of our guests that will be joining next year actually flew to space this morning. Um, or this year, I'm sorry, flew to space this morning. So it is, you know, it's a similar vein, but really, you know, what we're excited about is um, adventurers can help underwrite these expeditions that then uh, kind of speed up the process or, or allow us to do, you know, really exciting science um, and understand more about our world and understand more about the deep ocean that's so rarely explored. 
My guests today on, on Target are Kyle Bingham. We just heard from him. He's Expedition Director with Ocean Gate Expeditions. Jasmine Saunders is the Business Manager with Mapaque Horizon Maritime Services. And Beverly McLennigan is Senior Ecologist with the Center for Environmental Genomics Applications. They're all involved in this uh, interesting biodiversity study at the site of the Titanic off the coast of Newfoundland here. Of course, the anniversary of the Titanic sinking coming up very shortly. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And we're back. We're talking about a deep water biodiversity study at the site of the Titanic involving Ocean Gate Expeditions and eDNA Tech. And I want to bring... Um, Jasmine back into the conversation. I'm sorry, I, I was looking at so many other things here. Uh, Jasmine, so you're involved, so to speak, with the, the, a bit of the logistics involved in this. So, so what is needed to get a team out there and to do what they have to do? Yeah, for sure. Um, there definitely is a lot of planning that goes into a trip like this. Um, so from our side, we've got, um, you know, a very well-equipped operational team and, and safety and crewing team that, that uh, you know, works at the crewing requirements, um, identifies any, any safety hazards, and we work very closely with OceanGate um, to identify these risks and to, to identify what's required to carry out the missions. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very exciting, exciting project and, um, you know, a lot of unique things to consider in, in terms of, um, you know, our, our planning with our crew members as well and ensuring we have the, the crew members with the fast rescue craft training to help uh, deploy the submersible off the back deck of the vessel. Um, and then, of course, our galley crew as well, making sure we're, um, you know, just catering to Ocean Gate's requirements there and, and working with them on, on menu planning and um, lots of lots of interesting things, and of course, um, as as with any project in the marine industry, there's a lot of a lot of ad hoc and and unexpected uh, things that might come up. But um, you know, OceanGate is certainly a, a great client to work with, um, and has been wonderful last year with the the expeditions as well. How far offshore and how deep is the Titanic? Um. So yeah, it's roughly 553 kilometers west of St. John's. Or no, sorry, <laughs> I'm looking somewhere else. Um, yeah, the Titanic site is about 750 kilometers off the coast of Newfoundland. Um, but in terms of the depth, I'll let Kyle speak to that one. <laughs> we go down about 3,800 meters. Wow. <laughs> what is that in in lay terms? About two miles? Two and a half, mi two and a half miles. Wow. You talk about. Uh, so what kind of pressures are, are involved in that kind of a depth? The ambient pressure around the submersible at depth is, I think, a little over 5,000 PSI. Uh, so it's, it's quite significant. Um, our submersible, the submersible we use uh, is called Titan. Um, and it was designed and engineered uh, here in the Northwest. Um, like I mentioned, by support from NASA and aerospace, and it's carbon fiber. So it's five-inch thick carbon fiber and titanium, which is very innovative, uh, very cutting edge, and you know really the kind of the feather in our cap for you know where we're headed with uh, manned submersibles and construction. So it's it's very very strong, um, and can tolerate the pressure just just fine. 
and allows us to explore the wreck for, for hours. Remote operated, of course, but do you use cables or is it completely, you know, this is independent? Man. This, is, this is manned. So there's five, five people inside. Uh, there's no cable. It's not attached. There's no umbilical. Uh, so we are independent from the support vessel um, above. So how many people? You say five people. So it's it's got to be a fairly substantial size, or is it fairly cramped quarters in there? Um, it's fairly good size. It, the submersible itself is about the size of a more large SUV, and inside it's engineered and designed to be very minimalistic. So it's cylindrical shape. There's no fixed seating. You can move about. Uh, you can rearrange spots. You can reposition. We've got one of the largest viewports of any deep diving submersible. Uh, so a big, big window for people to view uh, what's around them or what's in front of them. Uh, so it's comfortable, and for for a man submersible, um, yeah, you can you can relax and, and stretch out and as much as you can relax two miles under the surface of the ocean. <laughs> it's a, it's a busy work environment, so there's a lot going on. We're always collecting data, even in the water column as you're descending has all sorts of interesting things to see, things to record. We're always communicating with the surface. They're tracking where we're at. Um, so there's always something going on, so it's busy. The time goes by quickly, and um, it's exciting the entire time, both as you're descending, as you're exploring, and as you're coming back. And this is, of course, well into that midnight zone. There's no uh, light that penetrates that deep. No, no. The light we have... Um, is just the lights on the submersible, the artificial lights. But um, to that point, it's amazing to see how much bioluminescent is, is in the water column and down there. We'll turn the lights off, and there's all sorts of things flashing back at you uh, in the water column. That is quite amazing. Um, anything that has surprised you? I think every dive is, is exciting and surprising, and that's kind of the nature of exploration. Um, you know, a little bit of... I guess maybe in a sense of surprise is landing on the wreck site. You know, every time we go down there, we land in a little bit different spot and you have a little bit different uh, view of the debris field or the wreck itself. Um, so things like that can be, can be surprising and exciting. And how is it powered? It's electric. We have two electrical systems, lithium polymer batteries, which are housed outside of where people are. And that powers our thrusters, which moves us around. And then we have a low-voltage uh, battery system inside that is for life support and media and cameras and all that. It's, it feels very, you know, just talking about it, uh, but I do have a little bit of claustrophobia. Um, just the thought of it, it t must take a special kind of person to want to do that. I think what, what people imagine it being is a little different than, than really what it is. Once you're inside, you're in a safe space. It's quiet. It's calm. Um, it's not the, you know, the dark metal dripping s submarines as we imagine. Um, you know, it's, it's very welcoming. It's very calm, and and, it, and it's so exciting what we're doing and what we're seeing out there that you know really you don't get that that emotion, that perception of of a con confined space. Um, no, maybe it's not for everybody, but we've, you know, everybody that has joined us has really been surprised that it is. Um, easier to, to do than they expected. Beverly, how are these uh, samples collected? Yeah, 
we're going to be collecting water samples using something called a Niskin bottle, and it's this tube-shaped device that can be closed at a given depth and a given location to trap a water sample in that tube. And we're going to be attaching several of these Niskin bottles to the outside of the Titan submersible, and then we'll be able to close those bottles and collect samples at very targeted locations on and around the wreck of the Titanic and the debris field. So how does that work in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, pressurization and that sort of thing? Are they, are they left open and then closed at a certain point, or are they left closed and then opened? How does that work? They're left open as we go down, and that way the water travels through and there isn't any air trapped in there that would uh, be affected by the pressure. So the tubes are left open as we go down, and then once we get to the exact location that we're interested in sampling at, we close it, and then that traps the water inside the tube. So what are you most interested in? What are you hoping to see here? Well, we know from previous expeditions that there are a range of organisms that live on the wreck. There have been um, corals and shrimp and some deep-sea fishes that have been observed, but these observations are pretty limited. Uh, they're opportunistic, and no expeditions have done a comprehensive biodiversity survey. So I'm most excited just to see the range of organisms, the number of different things that are, that are living on the wreck. So as I uh, previously indicated, you know, has, has Titanic become its own special habitat? Is that what you expect to learn here? Yeah, that's right. Um, shipwrecks can act as artificial reefs in marine habitats. They add structure to the environment that organi organisms can colonize and grow on. And then as more and more diverse organisms colonize a shipwreck, they create this whole new active ecosystem. And, and this has been well studied in, in shallow water environments. But as you said, the Titanic is found at 3,800 meters deep in the deep ocean that is not very well studied. And it's a very different environment from shallow water. It's really dark, as we said. The water is very cold and it's very high pressure. And so this is an opportunity to study how shipwrecks can act as artificial reefs in this unique deep sea environment. Will you be joining the expedition physically? Yes, I will be. I will be um, leading the collection of the eDNA samples. So I will be in charge of preparing the equipment, collecting the samples, uh, and processing the samples on the vessel. And it's important to have someone with uh, environmental DNA expertise to do that because it's a really sensitive technique. So you have to use um, sterile methods to make sure that all your samples are collected uh, without getting any external contamination in the samples. And that is a tricky part. So you really have to have have that expertise in order to do that properly. Yeah, that's right. Any little bit of DNA that's not from your sample can, uh, can affect your results. So you have to be really careful throughout that whole process to make sure that uh, you only have the DNA from your, from your target environment in your sample. I want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, how those samples are brought to the surface and how they are, how you're able to maintain, I guess, their integrity, depending on what kind of a sample it is, when we come back after the break. My guests today on On Target are Carl Bingham. He's Expedition Director with Ocean Gate Expeditions. Jasmine Saunders is the Business Manager with Miapakek Horizon Maritime Services. And Beverly McLennigan is Senior Ecologist with the Centre for Environmental Genomics Applications. They're going to be involved in this exciting biodiversity study at the scene of the Titanic, at the site of the Titanic. We'll be back right after this. You're VOCM, 2022 ECMA nominee for Media Outlet of the Year. 
And we're talking to a group involved in a deep water biodiversity study at the site of the Titanic. It involves Ocean Gate Expeditions and eDNA Tech. And Beverly McLennigan is a senior ecologist with the Center for Environmental Genomics Applications. And she's going to be doing all the techie, techie stuff. <laughs> she's going to be doing the collection of the samples and analyzing those samples. And I was just wondering, you know, when you're talking about those kinds of very deep water areas, so two and a half miles down, um, is there any... Uh, issues with uh, maintaining the integrity of the samples when they when they come back up to the surface? Yeah, so when the samples come back up to the surface, they get filtered. So the water samples get filtered over this uh, membrane that can capture the DNA from the water sample. And then those filters are frozen to preserve the DNA molecules and prevent them from breaking down. And it's really important that the samples are preserved properly so that the DNA doesn't break down. Um, if they aren't properly preserved, bacterial activity or exposure to UV light can start breaking down that DNA. And if the DNA starts breaking down, there's fewer and fewer DNA molecules left in the sample to capture and sequence for the biodiversity assessment. So it's really important that we keep those samples frozen um, to, to get the best results we can from those samples. Any and sense on the kind of scope we're talking about here? I mean, you know, I'm thinking you might find five or six, but you might find thousands of different Creatures. Different species? Yeah. Um, yeah, in a, in a typical marine sample, we will get thousands of unique DNA sequences, and we'll usually be able to identify hundreds in the hundreds of species. That's amazing. Uh, so how do you, I mean, just <laughs> breaking that all down and understanding, okay, here's plant life, here's crustaceans here's you know whatever and and working your way through all of that and and itemizing them i'm sure you're going to come across some that you don't have yeah that's true um because the deep ocean is not very well studied there are lots of organisms that live down there that we don't know of yet and to identify the DNA sequences, we have to refer to a reference database that has sequences for known species. And so if we haven't even uh, discovered a species yet, we won't have that reference sequence available to us. And so when we analyze samples from the deep ocean, we do often get DNA sequences back that have no match in our reference database. And so we don't, we don't necessarily know what species they come from. But often we're still able to tell if it's from a fish or if it's from a sponge so we can get kind of some higher level identifications. But if that species isn't in the reference database, we won't be able to assign it a species name. So Kyle, when is this expedition expected to be launched? We'll head off the dock, leave the dock the, the 15th of June. And is time of the essence here in terms of, uh, you know, picking the right weather window? Um, well, we've tried to target the best weather window. That's kind of the... Uh, the timing between you know June and, and early August um, for these expeditions, and we've done some weather studies in years past, and um, you know really tried to to find that perfect window. Though things you know the weather is always one of those that you can't control too much, um, but we'll cross our fingers and hope for the best, and um, hopefully things turn out a lot like last year where the weather was was great the whole time. Uh, that sounds so exciting. So how long do you expect to be out there for? Uh, we'll be back uh, early August. So we've got five or six missions, I think, uh, planned, or five or six weeks. We'll, we'll head out to the dive site, come back uh, to St. John's uh, every eight or so days. 
And this is where Jasmine comes in, because I guess you got to keep those people back and forth and bring them in when the weather's bad and head, take them back out when the weather's good and bring them home for a little bit and take them back out again. So how do you, how long does it take to prepare for all of that? Yeah, for sure. Um, um, oh, sorry, you go ahead. No, go ahead, Jasmine. Okay. Yeah. No worries. No, I was just um, just gonna say. I guess to the effect of our crews, they're certainly uh, well familiarized with uh, with the offshore environment and kind of heading back and forth. And then our operations team as well from the procurement side um, and and the safety side as well and crewing. Um, they're definitely kind of familiar with these sorts of operations and um, it's it's a fair bit of planning. But um, but yeah, our, our crew uh, really enjoys the contract. Have you been involved in these type of Titanic specific type of uh, expeditions in the past? Um, no, actually, this is so. Last year, um, I, I had helped my colleague Amanda with with some of the crewing aspects, but um, no, this is my first time kind of having some involvement. And my involvement this year is more so um, around some initiatives we have with um, sending Indigenous artists out on the vessel. So. We've got two um, two Indigenous artist residencies we're going to have this summer, so two separate uh, eight-day trips where we'll send out uh, artists to the site, and um, really interesting collaborative opportunity for these individuals to um, kind of gain inspiration from from their surroundings, from the different people that they'll meet, and all the diverse backgrounds. And then while they're on board as well, just just kind of learning, um, you know, from both the EDNA tech, the the marine biology of it all, and um, really being to, being able to kind of collaborate, um, you know, the indigenous stewardship of the ocean with um, the interesting technology and, and just these these new depths. That's so, such an interesting approach, sort of marrying this artistic side with the the scientific side and the adventure side, I guess, as well. Um, so how did that idea come to be? Yeah, for sure. So that one actually um, kind of came on my radar earlier this year um, from from our leadership with Meowpacac Horizon. So uh, Shane McDonald, who is a counselor with Neopatech First Nation and a director for the organization, um, as well as Sean Leet, our, our CEO, they kind of uh, put the idea forward and, um, you know, and Stockton was, was certainly very much on board as well. And, and it's something that um, had a lot of buy-in. So we were really glad to kind of put that one forward. And, and in the coming weeks, we're hoping to release um, a press release on, on the selected artists there. And how is that done? I can imagine that, you know, there's two people going to be pretty excited and a lot of people going to be really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So we, we certainly want to make sure, um, you know, we, we've conducted this in a fair manner. So we've um, worked with um, Shane, as I've mentioned, and and Chief Meisel Joe with Neopatech First Nation to kind of have a, a committee-type approach to reviewing the applications. And... Um, and then from there, uh, working with, with OceanGate as well and um, introducing the artists to, to the environment and just the overall experience and, and what they can hope to gain from it. And I guess they would have to undergo a certain level of training as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, you know, for, for this type of uh, voyage, um, given that they won't be going in the submersible, it's... Um, 
you know, kind of a, a passenger type of status for them. So uh, certainly a lot of great experience and a lot of great exposure, but um, yeah, not, not too, too much on the training side. My guests today on On Target are Kyle Bingham, Expedition Director with Ocean Gate Expeditions, Jasmine Saunders, who we just heard from, is a business manager with Miapakek Horizon Maritime Services, and Beverly McLennigan is Senior Ecologist with the Centre for Environmental Genomics Applications. That's a lot of words there. It's, <laughs> we're talking about a deepwater biodiversity study at the site of the Titan- Titanic. We'll have a little bit more about that coming up right after this. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. And we're talking about a different kind of Titanic expedition. This is one to embark on what's being called a groundbreaking environmental DNA deep water biodiversity study. And it's involving Ocean Gate Expeditions and eDNA Tech, uh, which is based here in uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. And Kyle Bingham is the expedition director with Ocean Gate Expeditions. And Kyle, you were on, on the Titanic last year. Um, what's the level of deterioration on that vessel? I know that. Uh, uh, from time to time, it does come up in the news, and uh, some of the images are quite shocking. Yeah, it's definitely degrading um, from years past. Uh, there was a big gap in time um, when it was the last scene up until 2019, and then uh, our dives last year. Um, the, the stern section and the bow and the stern are separated about a, a quarter mile apart. Um, the stern is much more, um, I guess, destroyed or degraded than, than the bow is, and I think that's helping to speed up some of, um, you know, how it's kind of rusting away and these rusticles are, are eating the iron away. Um, the, uh, the bow section, we did see some significant changes. Historically, um, Captain Smith's bathtub was a uh, kind of a key place to look at. You could see his ceramic tub uh, this last year. It's pretty much filled in. There's only a small little portion of ceramic that you can see uh, as the the ceiling starts falling in and and the walls degrade. So it's definitely changing. Um, It'll be there, I think, for a little while, but but it is, you know, disappearing into the ocean. Indeed, it has to be. I mean, what's what's that moment like when you when you see this? Um, I think for those that 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 went down on the dives, you know, really came back. Know, a little bit with a different perspective. It's it's humbling when you get out to the site to understand, you know, really what went on there um, 110 years ago now and the lives that were lost and affected and even the lives, you know, that were affected by, by building the Titanic. And when you get there, as exciting as it may seem, it's very sombering and, um, you know, we, we treat the, the whole experience and the wreck itself with a lot of respect uh, for those that were affected by it. So it's, it's emotional for a lot of people and, um, I think that's justified, and um, but it's an incredible experience, you know, even to go out to the site itself um, on the surface. Any other iconic images that uh, you know when you saw you you immediately recognized? Anything that people would know about? Of the bow, of course, the bow, you know, is, is probably the most iconic, um, as we've all seen, or many of us have seen in the films in the past. Um, the debris field. I mean, you do see you know, saucers and cups and. Um, those kind of artifacts that are easily recognizable and, and just make you wonder about you know, who touched it last. But um, the anchors in the bow are probably some of the most significant you know, things that you'll see. Uh, so it's, it launches in June, expected to take until August. Um, uh, any final thoughts on, on your participation in this? Well, I think you know these expeditions are collaborative efforts that take 
um, you know, teams to make possible, whether it's, um, you know, our teams in development and, and engineering. Uh, of course, you know, the amazing support we've had from Horizon from last year and this year and hoping in this future. And um, that brings in, you know, the, the scientists and these researchers and eDNA tech this year. And, um, you know, it's just it, it takes a whole team to make it possible to get these things done and accomplished. So, um, yeah, it's not just one. It's it takes it everybody. Well, indeed, and and you mentioned before, you know, it's obviously these these kinds of trips are not cheap, uh, um, and you mentioned how it's funded. Do you have any, you know, special patrons this time around? Um, we have some notable people that will be joining. Um, you know, definitely some of the expeditions um, this summer. Um, they come from all different corners of the world for all different reasons. And I mean, I think the big thing is that everybody's there to help, you know, drive technology and exploration forward and for us to learn more about the deep ocean, as I mentioned, that is so rarely explored. Um, so it's important for everybody, uh, you know, and that kind of drives people from, you know, we've, we have individuals from Mexico and India and overseas and, and all over that, that come together for this. Jasmine, um, what does this mean for Horizon? Um, we're certainly certainly very excited to be uh, going out for another year with Ocean Gate on this contract. Um, and I guess moving it forward from last year, so last year with the, the inaugural missions out to the site, um, you know, as I mentioned this year, we're looking to kind of branch out a bit, and we're very glad to be having um, eDNA Tech join, join the team there. And... Um, yeah, and as well as the Indigenous Artists Residency, we're hoping to get some more uh, cadets on board and some more interns. And um, this has been a, a really great experience for the, the cadets that we've been able to place from the Nautical Institutes and, you know, just entering the marine industry, getting their sea legs. But um, I guess such a unique experience to kind of learn on. And um, it just really speaks to, to how Horizon can, you know, we, we just serve so many broad markets and we're really hoping to collaborate with more uh, unique partners as we move forward. And um, Beverly McLennigan, Senior Ecologist with the Centre of Environmental Genomics Applications, you'll be uh, collecting those samples, analyzing those samples. Uh, how long will, do you expect that process to take? Um, you know, your, your analytical work, I guess, is only just beginning. Yeah, once the expedition finishes and the samples come back to the lab, it takes uh, typically a couple weeks for the genomics analysis to take place and then another couple weeks to do our data analysis and generate reports. And so we'll be starting that process as soon as we can after the expedition finishes. And we aim to publish our findings in a scientific publication within a few months of the expedition finishing. And so that uh, the results will be shared with the public through that uh, publication and we'll be adding all the data to public reference databases as well. And how are you hoping that that information will be applied? Well, it's really going to add a new level to our understanding of deep sea biodiversity and how um, shipwrecks can act as artificial reefs in these habitats. And so it'll just be building on our knowledge of this understudied environment. And uh, since the data will be published uh, and available, other researchers can then build on this, um, the data that we've collected to build on it and further explore the, uh, the deep ocean and the, bi the biodiversity there. So Newfoundland and Labrador has a pretty big role to play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of these expeditions are going to be leaving from, from St. John's. It's a critical point. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's really exciting that we're such an integral part of uh, these expeditions. 
Kyle Bingham, Expedition Director with Ocean Gate Expeditions, Jasmine Saunders, Business Manager with Miapakek Horizon Maritime Services, and Beverly McLennigan, Senior Ecologist with the Center for Environmental Genomics Applications. This has been a fascinating conversation. I appreciate your time, and we look forward to hearing more all about this as we get closer to June. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so there you go. They're going to be uh, conducting this uh, deep water biodiversity study at the site of the Titanic uh, beginning in June, expected to last until about August. Uh, fascinating stuff. I thank everyone for joining us on the show today. Uh, thanks for listening, all.